All right. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Okay. Thank you for just joining in. All right. You're welcome to yet another edition of the response strategy. Uh, those who are not familiar with the response strategy, uh, the response strategy is um, a discussed session that um, we have at NOI polls where we discuss topical issues as the polls coming we get um, stakeholders in the industry to discuss um, the polls and um, look for ways forward to look for how to uh, make things work basically we talk about the findings of the poll um, we just had a new poll out and that is what we are going to be discussing today my name is nelly Nelly Ohuche. I am Head Corporate Communications NOI Polls. NOI Polls is involved in data and survey and um, we're, we're going to look at all of that um, during the course of the presentation. Like I said, we have a new poll out on um, access to water and we're doing this in commemoration of the international, uh, the, the World Water Day. Water, we know, is a very significant thing. For those of us who live in um, Abuja, uh, recently there's been, you know, scarcity of water in parts of Abuja. And uh, when, when you hear the story that people get to tell about, you know, how they go through um, a lot trying to get water, we now understand why or the need for water. Um, I think about a month ago, there was a situation like this in Enugu and um, a lot of people couldn't access water. Um, so across Nigeria, access to clean drinking water is, you know, there's one thing to access water, it's another thing to access clean drinking water. You know, um, it's actually a big deal in Nigeria. Even, you know, water from the water board isn't exactly drinkable in Nigeria. Um, and that's an issue. So one begins to wonder if the water board can give us drinkable water, then um, what, what are we left with? I guess that's one of the reasons why we, um, a lot of us, you know, fall back to what we now term pure water. How pure that water is, is an issue, <laughs> is an issue that we're going to discuss during the course of today's program. So you're all welcome to another edition of the response strategy organized by NOI polls. And uh, we're gonna be looking at um, access to water poll, which is a new poll. Um, and we're gonna have a poll presentation this morning. It's gonna be very short. The reason for that poll presentation is so that um, we understand the findings of the polls and part of our conversations will be around the findings of the poll. Um, but just before we do that, we have four discussions actually. And like I said, these are stakeholders who will be talking um, to us about the issues that we'll be discussing today. First, I have Rotorian Uduak Upe, Barista Uduak Upe. I, I insist on calling him Rotorian first because that's on the basis for which we brought him here today. Um, the fantastic thing that um, the Rotary Club is doing for all of us and for communities around Nigeria, fantastic work they're doing. Rotorian um, Uduakupe is the Rotorian president, Rotary Club Abuja, 
He is also secretary to the Governing Council Nigerian Sovereign Investment Authority, NSIA. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. So we also have Kolawale Bangwo. He is head advocacy, policy, and communications, Water Aids Nigeria. Kolawale, are you here? Hello? Hello? Okay. I, I'm sure he's going to join us um, soon. We also have with us, uh, let me see if he's here. Okay, he'll probably join us later. Adeyemiya Kim. Adeyemiya Kim is the project coordinator of Hope Springs Water Charity Foundation. And um, we also have finally Wilson Atumei, who is the founder and CEO of Waterwide. He isn't here yet. So, okay. So we'll just start with um, Barista Uduak. But just before we get to you, Barista Uduak, um, we'd like to take the polls. Um, am I supposed to choose spring? Okay. So just give us one minute, we'll, we'll get to Debe. Debe, are you here with us? Yes, I am. Good. Debe Wanze will be the one um, doing the presentation this morning. He's going to be presenting the Access to Water Pool, which is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Debe. Okay, sorry, he's trying to share his screen. Hello, are you there? Okay, great. I think he's here with us now. Debbie, I need you to talk. I need to know that you're here. Okay, I think he, he's here. Good morning. Can you all hear me? We can hear you. Okay, and, and can you see my screen? The screen has gone off again. Okay, can we all see my screen? Yes, we can. Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, so as a quick preface, to um, the presentation is I think it's important to point out that um, the poll was done speaking to 1,000 respondents who were randomly selected from a database of telephone-owning Nigerians. Uh, this selection was um, stratified by gender, location, and age, so that it is more representative of the actual population. So the takeaway from that is um, findings from this poll um, can be extrapolated to the general population. So it's something worth taking um, seriously. Okay, so the main findings from the poll, we had asked, what is your main source of water for daily use? Um, of which most Nigerians, at least more than half um, of Nigerians, which is over 50%, said that their main source of water for daily use is borehole water. And interestingly, if you look at the spread by geopolitical zone, you find that the South-South had the highest proportion of residents who said that their main source of water for daily use is uh, borehole water. Um, so you had 57% of Nigerians who said their main source is borehole water. That was followed by 25% who um, disclosed that they use well water and 14% who mentioned tap water which was followed by 3% who mentioned river water and 1% who mentioned pond water. 
also interesting to note is the 14% who mentioned tap water. Tap water there being uh, public, your public water system, your water board, if you will. So um, a gist of this post also discloses that just 14% of Nigerians, just 14% of Nigerians uh, rely on tap water or public water system as their main source of water for daily use. And I think that's quite low and troubling. Um, if you look at the trend analysis, I conducted this poll last year. Um, the, the proportion of those who depend on borehole water as their main source of water for daily use increased from last year to this year by six percentage points. So from 51% up to 57% this year. And then you have um, the results for other sources there. We are also asked, what is your main source of drinking water? To this, more than half of Nigerians said that they rely on sachet water as their main source of drinking water. Sachet water is also commonly known as pure water. So sachet water is their main source of drinking water. This was followed by tap water at 16%, borehole water at 14%, and well water at 11%. You also have a few others, but um, the proportion there is low. But uh, worthy of note here is that uh, more than half of Nigerians rely on sachet water as their main source of drinking water. The anomaly here was for in the southeast, where you just have 38% of residents indicating that the, that sachet water is their main source of drinking water. However, in the southeast, more of them tend to rely on borehole water as um, their source, their main source of drinking water. So basically, it's just the southeast and the southwest who tend to not rely as much on sachet water as their main source of drinking water. This also calls for the need for increased or better regulation on pure water businesses because um, this poll clearly shows that cutting across geopolitical zones, most Nigerians most Nigerians tend to rely on sachet water as their main source of drinking water. We are also asked um, if Nigerians treat the water before drinking it, and to which 73%, uh, the majority, said that they do not treat water before drinking. Okay, and only 27% acknowledge that they treat water before drinking. Uh, following that, we are asked, is access to water a challenge in your community? Is access to water a challenge in your community? And most, most Nigerians, more than six in 10 Nigerians, basically, uh, disclose or acknowledge that access to water is a challenge in their community. And this more or less cut across through, cut across all um, geopolitical zones, with each geopolitical zone having at least 50 or more residents. So a half or more residents saying that um, access to water is a challenge in their community. Worryingly, too, if you look at the trend analysis of this same question compared to last year, we find that um, more Nigerians this year are saying that access to water is a challenge in their community. It actually increased by 23 percentage points from last year. So last year, you had 39 percent of Nigerians who 
said that access to water is a challenge in their community compared to 62%, an increase of 23 percentage points um, this year, saying that access to water is a challenge. So it's a growing, it's clear from the results that it's a growing challenge um, and one that needs to be curtailed quickly before it grows out of hand. We are also asked, are there any water projects currently going on in your community? And to this, 86% of Nigerians said no. There was no uh, water project currently going on, on in their community. They could not identify uh, a water project that's currently uh, underway in their community. Only 14% were able to identify with some water projects that's um, currently going on in their community. Given the onset of COVID and the increased demand for water because uh, of COVID as a pre uh, precautionary measure, we had asked, do you use more water since the COVID-19 outbreak? And of course, as expected, almost 70% of Nigerians acknowledge that yes, they do use more water um, as a result of the COVID outbreak. So nice and short, um, those are the findings from uh, the water poll. We'll hand it over to you, Mary. Thank you very much, Debe. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate that. Um, so that is the findings of um, the access to water poll, which was, uh, I'm trying to get my screen back. Okay, that was, which was um, released in March. Thank you, which was released in March, um, just a few weeks ago, so a few days ago, actually. Um, and it actually shows us um, what the situation is with access to water. But then let me also, we, see, we have a few people that just came in, um, looking for my screen. <laughs> okay, so let me also at this point, um, Sorry, I think I'm trying to get to my screen. Okay. Okay. All right, so from that, so while we were discussing, we had a few more people who came in. Um, we know we have Kolawole Bangwo here now. Kolawole, can you please signify? Can we hear your voice? Yes, good day, everyone. Fantastic. Good to have you here. Thank you for taking our Sorry. time to come. Yeah. All right. Um, then we also have Ade Mia Kim, who is the project director of Hope Springs Water Charity Foundation. Ade Mia, are you here now? Yes, good morning, everyone. Thanks Fantastic. for having me. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Also, there's Will Singatumeri, founder, CEO, Water Wide. Hi, good morning, everyone. Hi, Wilson. Good to have you here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Great. So I, I want to think that um, we, we heard the findings from the poll. Uh, we're going to look at the findings and we're going to look at other issues around water. But I think first I would want to even 
ask. You know, we see water everywhere we go to. There's, you know what they say, water, water everywhere, no water to drink. You know, we see water everywhere, and yet we say access to water. Uh, there, are, You know, we say there are challenges with access to water and sanitation. So I will want to first push this to um, water aid. Um, so, Kola uh, Wale, I would want you to start with this. How, what, what, what do we mean when we say access to water and sanitation? What, what exactly does that imply? Well, thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Um, well, access to water means access to water, uh, <laughs> except that basically there are some best practices and international indices with which we try to measure. About access. The idea is that everyone, everywhere should be able to access water within the closest level of proximity. Uh, for instance, um, you hear things like in, in places where, first of all, of course, you know, there are various categories of water sources from improved to unimproved and then to simply managed. Uh, with the SDGs, the standard has been raised so high, and the idea is to have what we call access to safely manage water because that's the one that presents present the opportunity for the least opportunity for infection and contamination. And that is where you have water piped to your premises, such that you can access it by just turning on the tap, because that's a luxury. But the worst case scenario is that if you have to go far to get water, you should be able to access water within 30 minutes of a round trip. You get to, including the time you need to join a queue, for instance, in the, in the rural communities. You go to fetch water and you're back home in 30 minutes, including if you make a queue there. That means there should be no water points so that no matter how long you walk, you will not be back home with water that is usable in 30 minutes. Now, those are scenarios to just ensure that um, in terms of development and planning, while we move to that which is closest for water to get to people's premises, we realize that that may be a tall order by 2030. So we say, okay, in order to ensure that we are being very realistic and pragmatic, let us say that worst case scenario, if you can't have water pipe to your premises, if you can't have a well so close to the house by yourself, if you have to access public water or water in a public space, be able to get there no matter how long the queue, be back home to where you came from in 15 minutes. And in 30 minutes, sorry, we we'll call it a round trip. And that water, of course, must be safe. And I think the word safe, we must never overemphasize. There's water everywhere, but not all water is safe <laughs> for drinking and for you. So when we say access to water, we're talking of that water that is safe, free of chemical and every other pollutant that people can access the highest level of proximity and use on a day-to-day -day basis in a sustainable way. Not that there's water today, and then for another week, there's no water. Mm. You can assess it as at when due, as at when needed, a very, very sustainable manner over a long period of time and across generations. So I'll stop here for now, but when we talk okay. about access, that's what we're talking about basically. Okay, um, thank you very much for that. You talked also about, you know, um, water being safe. Um, I, I think I'll take um, Wilson on that. Um, you know, according to our poll, we say 56% of Nigerians actually identified, you know, such a water popularly known as the pure water, as a major source of drinking water in their homes. Um, a survey also released by the Federal Ministry of um, Water Resources in conjunction with UNICEF also reveals that one third of Nigerians drink contaminated water. 
<laughs> you know, and a lot of Nigerians now resort to, you know, like you said, we talked about now the pure water. If we say it is pure water, and supposedly there's some regulations around it, how do we justify it, or how do we justify the 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 survey result from the Federal Ministry of Water Resources and UNICEF that says Nigerians drink contaminated water? What then exactly is contaminated water, and how do we also classify? Pure water. What exactly is pure water? Why? What water is pure enough to drink? Wilson, over to you. Sorry, I forgot to unmute the mic. Um, oh, okay. So first of all, yeah, survey from UNICEF and and Co has it that yeah, we take contaminated water. The thing there is that um, their own polls, their own um, survey. I wouldn't say it's um, totally wrong. She understand, but now, first of all, the quality of the so-called pure water that people call um, call it. I've seen several sachet water that don't have um, NAVDAC registration numbers. I've seen some that one company shares same um, NAVDAC registration numbers. So the the first first the first twist is um, please. I have a sachet water factory opposite my house currently, currently, and. Um, over time, they said people stopped buying from the person because one of their workers had um, had an, an, had a sickness, a terminal um, sickness that is communicable. Mm. Do you understand? So, I wouldn't. That's where UNICEF pulled their their data from. But a large number of population, large uh, population of Nigerians actually don't have access to safe water. Now we're looking at um, communities that are marginalized. We're looking at um, people that are in rural communities. Now, um, Kola Wale talked about um, the round trip of having um, spending 30 minutes to access safe water. Now, some people go to fetch water. At the point of fetching that water, it's, it's, it's fine, it's safe. But now, if you're using an open bucket, walking the next five minutes to your house, you don't know what goes into that water. And you saw where in the polls that says um, about 67% um, said they don't treat their water before drinking. So mm. if you fetch that water, you feel it's safe enough already. You, you, you take it to your house and you drink directly. That water automatically is already contaminated on your way home because there are germs flying everywhere. So sachet water in itself, it's not that totally safe. It's not totally safe because um, some, of these people, I would, uh, some of these people don't actually follow um, the perfect step for, for purification. And some, some of them in the process of bagging and... Um, and, and all that's when it gets contaminated. So I think the whole, the, the big number of, um, the large chunk of numbers of people taking contaminated water, are mostly people in uh, marginalized communities and even those that have access to that sachet water. Okay. All right, thank you for that. D let me also um, ask, you know, even in, in, in um, you know, Cities like Lagos and, and Abuja, a large number of homes actually are serviced, you know, um, by borehole, as it were, which means a lot of people drill their own water. Um, we know that there's a state water board and um, we know the issues around state water boards. Like I, I said at the beginning of this, we've had a situation in Enugu recently where um, people couldn't get water. There wasn't even access to water in the first place. And issues like that come up every once in a while. We also have a situation like that in Abuja at the moment, 
and where the water board came out and said, for some reasons, water would not be provided. And I think this is two weeks running and people cannot get water, you know. And they also resort to, even when there are boreholes and, and all of that, people, like I said, people now drill their own water. Does this actually pose climatic risk? Because everybody seems to be drilling water. We are not looking at um, the effect of this on the, if not on the short run, in the, in the long run, what are the effects of this? Um, I, I think it would have been safer if the water board does this. But then again, we also ask, you know, how often does the water board do some kind of maintenance on, you know, their facility as it were? So um, I'd like us to look at the health, the climatic um, effects or the risk of um, drilling boreholes. Um, I'd like to, to look at that before we go to Rotorian Udwak. I want him to talk on an, an issue about this. So I'll let, um, I'll let um, Project Coordinator Hope Springs Water Foundation to talk to us on this. Is there a climatic effect on, you know, us drilling water, everybody drilling water, everybody's trying to get access to water. Well, how, how does it affect us really? Are you here? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and I think this question is rather very important. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Hello? We can hear you. We can hear okay, you. Okay, I said um, thank you for having me. Um, and I think this question is rather very important. It's rather very important at this stage. Now, because um, the fact that everybody is drilling this ball of course, you, you will all expect that it's going to have a long-term effect on the climate um, itself. Now, a while ago, um, in Abuja, for those in Abuja, there was this health trauma that happened in Abuja, and that, that should be please like that, you know, just something, you know, nobody knows what, what happens. And geologists have said that these are effects of different kind of drill, drillings and mining, you know, that going on around. Now, the fact that everybody has to source water for themselves, um, borehole is like the nearest thing. You, that's, that's just like the best thing you can get around. Even so, we have actually had to do some projects in some rural communities too, in some vegan um, boreholes for communities to, to work on. Now, the long-term effect on the health itself is it disbands some layers of the health. And that is why um, if we are to go on doing this, we are causing, trying to solve one problem, we are causing more harm, um, more problem to some other, um, to, to the climate itself. Because if the, the layers, um, the, the lower layers on the earth are affected by, the, by means of drilling these boreholes, then we'll be so, we might have solved uh, maybe um, the issues of water, but causing some lot of, sort of disbalancing in the sand on the earth surface itself, which we still come back out uh, us. So boreholes is what we have right now, but it's not the long-lasting solutions to our water crisis as a people. Thank you. Okay, if you say it's not a long-lasting solution, what will the long-lasting solution be? Okay, so um, now the, the fact that um, both, like I said, the 
not a long-lasting solution. So there have been for us to now look at other means of source, um, um, sourcing water. And I, I personally, I, I think we, we, we did some research and note, note that there need or there are needs for a lot of people to come on board in the left on the shoulder of the government. Yeah, the government is supposed to provide us um, clean and safe water. But right now, we are not getting that. Nigeria, um, um, to say, we say this, you know, a very rich country in some water, but we still have issues with getting to assess this water. So if, um, I think platforms like this, and I really want to use this opportunity to also appreciate what IFO they're doing. They've been key to, you know, some bringing a lot of people on board to see how well we can end this water scarcity. So now the question of, if Boho is not, what would be? Now that would be, um, we are having a um, lot of investment in the water system or in the water um, sector. And those investments, uh, a huge percentage in that, but then the government alone cannot really solve that, this crisis. So we need to, um, we need support from other stakeholders to come on board and let's see how we can improve in a sense the pipe bone um, um water supplies to homes okay. if we have that regular if we have that in um a huge um um consumption of um, um amount then it's easy for people to um disease from digging bowl because the aftermath of the digging digging of bowl is going to even cause more um, difficulties in the in, in the nearest future than even the water crisis we have now. Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for that. Uh, now you've talked about the imbalances that this might cause or this will cause in the long run with regards to climatic imbalance and, and all of that anyway. But then again, it, it looks like that seems to be the only option at the moment. That's the only thing we have. And that's the reason why there has been a lot of intervention from um, stakeholders, from organizations like yours and organizations like Waterwide and, and WaterAid and the Rotary Club. I'm particular about the Rotary Club because um, it's not like this is their core function yet. Um, you know, they get involved at various level in providing what I know Rotary Club is, um, renders, you know, services in areas of environment, water and sanitation. And that for me is very um, interesting. And um, I would want to find out from the Rotarian president, Rotary Club Abuja, Rotarian Udua Kupe, um, tell us why, why water sanitation? Why did, you, why did you people decide to go into that? What is significant about that for you? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Nelly, for having me. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Rotary International, as you might know it's a foremost humanitarian organization um, in the world and this organization have several areas of focus and one of which is water sanitation and hygiene now we went to uh, provide our services in relation to water sanitation and hygiene because we saw the there are a lot of challenges in our communities, in our cities, around the world. And so Rotary decided to provide that access, that major uh, area of focus. And how do we, uh, how do, we do this? Uh, we have a foundation, the Rotary Foundation, 
and uh, monies are paid into the foundation and, and, and these monies are used you know, to provide these services around the world. And also Rotarians themselves in various clubs do contribute you know, their token and provide safe water and sanitation around their areas of cash and uh, precisely back in Abuja, what we have done is uh, to uh, uh, identify uh, catchment areas, for example, in Kabusa. Uh, here in Abuja, I know the issue now is about borehole. Um, a number of speakers have mentioned the boreholes. It is not the best, but it is the second best that we have at the moment. And what we do when we provide such services is to ensure, actually drill these boreholes, uh, ensure that they go right at the level that will not uh, guarantee purity. So we do that and ensure that you know, the water that comes through the borehole is at least as safe as we could have. Yes, um, we would appreciate, I know the government have, have a number of policies about water and that. It's probably in the, in, in the making. I know that uh, in the FCT here, we have uh, treatment plants that uh, treat water, but how to safely drive those water to suburbs or the FCT is an issue because maybe government is yet to have the proper infrastructure to pipe this water around. And so people cannot wait and be having nothing until what the policy or what the government's plan is doing. So that's the, the reason that, you know, organizations like Low Rotary and others will step in and provide this water for the people in the interim. And on top of provisions, we also do, it's about water, sanitation, and hygiene. We go in to teach people about how to keep their water safe, how to ensure they have a good standard of hygiene uh, for themselves to ensure good health. Um, for example, tomorrow, as we speak, we have a project in uh, Jabi Junior School where we're going to teach them, uh, we educate them on safe water. And we've also used that opportunity to, to, to renovate some water points in the school for, for the kids. You know, some of these things, you know, tie in to provide the overall um, uh, service of provision of safe water, sanitation and hygiene for our immediate environments. Right. This is fantastic. Um, I, I wanted to, to you to talk about this because these are the interventions that we are looking at. We we cannot wait for the government to uh, get their acts together and get water to all of us. I, I, probably that might take forever. So these are the kind of interventions that we want to see. But we're still going to go back to your the school project because I'm particular about the school project because of um, one, the, the issue of um, public health and also the issue of COVID as it were. But we're gonna get back to you. I would like, um, I would like um, Wilson to talk about um, 
the activities of Waterwide in terms of the interventions that they have um, carried out, you know, that, that Waterwide carries out on the daily basis. I just want to know what the interventions are and how people can access water while we wait for government. So Wilson, over to you. Is he here? For, for, so for, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud so and clear. For, yeah, for Waterwide, um, what we do is we track um, funds, government funds and international aid that is meant for water sanitation and hygiene projects in, in marginalized communities in Nigeria. So we do this, sorry. So um, we do this by um, checking budget line items to ensure that um, funds, especially for marginalized communities, reach these particular communities. So we provide, we provide um, oversights in these project implementations. And we don't just do it just as water-wide. We work with community members. We empower them with information for them to be able to track project implementations, even if water-wide is still not in that community. Um, currently, um, we're tracking projects in Yobe State. Um, we, we, we are about to activate um, four um, tracking campaigns in this, uh, the beginning of the next quarter. So for us, we believe um, building the capacity of community members to track project implementations themselves alongside us, we can help them with um, some, 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 um, some ways to go about it. But tracking this project itself ensures that projects are done adequately, that funds are judiciously spent and um, monies for wash is not lost, are not lost to um, corruption. So for us, what we do is to ensure that these funds get to these communities because without, without having access to safe water, <laughs> funds, for, funds for marginalized communities are the ones that are easily um, um, stolen, easily siphoned, she understands. So we decided not to capitalize on um, urban centers. Even though we, are, we, we do some um, projects in urban centers around um, sanitation and hygiene, uh, like for COVID, for instance, when um, COVID struck, we, we went to a community, Kaida, they had no access, but I mean zero, zero access to safe water. They only go to um, a stream um, to fetch water and we decided to like, we activated a campaign. Initially, we wanted to um, reach out to the local government chairman because they are saddled with, with the responsibility of rural, um, rural water, but COVID struck and we were able to reach them. So we started an online campaign that um, we finally got the attention of the Minister of State to the FCT. And that community currently have two functioning bubbles now. So for us, we believe that um, high-level advocacy, um, high-level advocacy ensures that people have access to safe water. And advocacy is not like a day job because some advocacies work within a month. The, the other one work within three months, within two months. Some work within a month, some work within a week, some, some will take a year or plus. So um, we also try to raise funds to rehabilitate um, rehabilitate boreholes in communities that already have boreholes because some of these communities, they actually have the boreholes, but um, the, the person, the contractor drilling that particular borehole, I think they have this way of just drilling a shallow borehole that um, whenever they just see water, okay, that's it. And the project stops there. They don't drill deep down so that water can be available all round. I went to a community that they have nine boreholes in that community. 
nine. Is this a case of one. corruption or a case of um, so, what exactly is the reason so why because, you would put so, because, so much effort in drilling a borehole and putting all the infrastructures? Yes, there's no water coming out. What's what's? Yeah. So because because we did not have access to um, that particular budget line item to say exactly what meters of borehole should be drilled, James, we wouldn't know whether it is corruption. But for every, I believe for every um, for every borehole that is going to be drilled. That particular technician, like um, Rotarian uh, said, they, they do a, 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 a geo, geolocation and geosurvey about it before they get it to say, oh, this is the proximity, this is the depth we can drill. And in some cases, truth be told, we've seen budget line item that covers um, um, solar-powered boreholes, solar-powered boreholes, and solar-powered boreholes and electric boreholes can go deeper than the normal hand pump bowls because hand pump bowls if you go deeper than i think 60 or 70 you won't be able to use your hand to pump the water up mm. so so in some cases you see that oh budget line item covers a solar powered borehole but when you go to that community what you see is just a, a, a hand pumped borehole in this case it's strictly corruption funds are not judiciously spent in accordance to um what is budgeted for so corruption plays a major a major major role in um, these boreholes that are being drilled everywhere. I mean, you go to communities and you see several boreholes, several interventions. And it's not even limited to just um, government interventions too. I've seen a community that had interventions from uh, a faith-based organization and another nonprofit organization, but those boreholes are not working. So it also boils down to water management. How do they manage these facilities? So if, those community members. So people just go to communities and drill boreholes, but they don't think about um, how do they manage these facilities. And it's understood that, oh, you want to do a great job. You want to do um, an intervention in the community. But what measures are you putting in place to manage that particular facility? You can go to a, a, a particular community and drill a bowl and say, oh, we have this water for you. But say, oh, for every, um, to, uh, for every can you fetch, for everything you fetch, you pay five naira. If you're fetching for you pay 20 naira. that money ensures um that whenever it, it saves money for and uh, whenever that boho gets bad they'll get to fix it we went to a community and all they needed to fix that boho was forty thousand naira. Forty thousand naira, and the whole community were unable to raise forty thousand naira to just fix the borehole so water management uh water facility management is also key and um while governments are doing interventions in these communities too they should ensure that they do routine checks on all these boreholes to ensure that these boreholes these monies are not just wasted you cannot just do a water borehole for for six months or one year and it doesn't function again another particular another chairman will come in come in and decide to drill another borehole instead of just making sure that that one, that three or that four borehole can serve the community for a very long time. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm actually particular about the interventions happening within communities and uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation. Um, we're going to go up to the poll, but just before we get to the poll again, um, I would like um, Water Aid to talk to us about, you know, what interventions they have on ground at the moment, either ongoing on, or interventions they've done. And the reason why we want to know is so that we, we understand where and where, uh, you know, these interventions are going, are going on and what it is like. I mean, if we want to have an intervention, what are we looking at in terms of the, the technicalities? What, how do you even decide where to go? 
um, because if we look at our poll results, it says 62% of Nigerian households, especially from the North Central, have major challenges of accessing water for both drinking and um, household use, which means that um, we see that the, the number is a lot more in the North Central. So um, a lot of this intervention I have heard at the moment um, seems to be happening within the North. What's the peculiarity of the North? Um, this is um, Water Aid. Can we hear from you? Are you there? Okay, thank you very much uh, for having me and, and I want to appreciate all the discussions for good efforts they are putting in uh, to ensure that uh, people access water. Uh, in water aid, uh, we do quite a number of things. Uh, however, what we do, which we believe is sustainable, because it's about sustainable water uh, access over a long period of time. And so what we do basically is we work, our work is threefold. Uh, one of them is what has been said, and I will talk about that. that is the aspect we refer to as service delivery. Uh, boreholes to make sure people get water. Um, but the belief is that water is a development issue, basically, and water is a human right. And it's essential that, as a human right, states have an obligation to provide, to facilitate, and to protect those rights. And so what we do a lot, and I'm glad we do what Waterwide is doing, we may need to link to this work with them, is to ensure, while bureaucrats and all, do a very beautiful job to ensure that people have access to water while we wait. But we cannot also wait for government forever while we all sit down endlessly. So what we do is move government to do what it should do as much as possible. Let's remember that water supply is on the concurrent list uh, in our constitution. You have the federal government, the federal ministry of water resources. You have the state governments who ultimately have responsibility to get service to the people. And then you have the local governments for the rural communities. What we have done um, when the SDGs came on board is to realize that like every other aspect of development, you needed to plan. Development must be planned and it must be properly invested in over a period of time to be sustainable and to be achieved. So we took water as a development issue Hygiene and sanitation are development issues because they have implications for health, for education, for livelihood, and indeed every other aspect of the SDGs. SDG 6 talks about water, and 6.2 talks about sanitation. It's something we took. So we started engaging government. You need to invest in this sector. Thank goodness for what the Rotarians do, bringing resources from what they earn to support communities. But that should not make the state go to sleep. So the slave must find a way of investing in the sector. And to invest, you need a plan. You need policies. So we talked about sector governance. Our first work we do is advocacy for proper wash sector governance. That means you must have the right institutions in place, the right policies in place, the proper plans in place, the right professional and expertise and human resources in place. Let me give you an example. Statistics show at the time when the WASH action plan in 2018 was, was drawn, that as at that time, 50% of the water system, water scheme, and water points were not working in Nigeria. And about 25% of them failed within the first year of establishment. 
We're not talking of boreholes that is sung by people. We're talking of major water schemes and water system supply that government invests in. Within the first one year, 25% of them fail. And then 50% were not working as at then. Now, a lot of resources have gone into this. And you know, with water supply systems and pipes, if you don't use water, if you don't supply water through pipes for a long time, it gets rusty and goes bad. So that when you now want to supply water, you need to fix them. So the resources that have gone into preparing them in the first place becomes a waste. And these are just four bubbles. These are millions of Naira projects, many of them from World Bank and international donors, not even from government. So they said, we can't go on like this if people must have water. Let us have a policy in place. It was in 2018 that the government developed what we call a national action plan for WASH to ensure that there's water for everyone by the year 2030 in line with the SDGs. And then the state of emergency was declared in the sector. And then state governments now needed to key into that. Again, for finances, it was said that as a step we need, basically we should be investing about 1 trillion Naira in that sector alone as a country for our water. Our budgets in the past three, four years have been about 3.7 trillion. That means how much is going to water. So we do advocacy to ensure that government are able to develop plans and we provide the technical support to do that. It's get the policies in place, get the institutions in place, including regulatory agencies. Somebody just talked about the need for regulation. We just entered the MOU with the Lagos State Water Regulatory Commission, for instance, for regulation of water quality in Lagos State. So that is kind of thing that we do. And then in terms of service delivery, we try to loop water supply around sanitation and hygiene. For instance, open defecation is a major problem and it's a major source of contamination of water. So if you have a community where they have open defecation, you're likely to have contaminated groundwater that will contain E. coli, which is not safe for use. So in our work and service delivery, we have to loop the two together so that water supply only becomes a, one component of it, but you loop it around sanitation and hygiene. And how do we do that? You just talk about water facility management. We build capacities of government officials, communities. There's something we call the kiosk, water kiosk system, for instance. We have one of them, we did some in Enugu uh, not long ago. Where you have a water facility, you train people to manage it. I think it was even women we trained. You have a kiosk manager who manages the facility and you have trained artisans who are able to fix what they said was 40,000. Could have been fixed by one of the women because they've been trained to fix the borehole. And then you charge a little token for the water, which is the cheapest you can get from any other source, including the tankers that bring water to the area. So that the revenue generated is used to pay the kiosk manager who earns a living, for instance, and it's also used to maintain the facility when it breaks down. That way, you also ensure that people are able to access water for their toilets so that they will not need to openly defecate. So these are the kind of things we do. Policy is important. Laws are important. You need to charge tariffs. For instance, one of the challenges our governments have is in the area of tariffs fixing. Some people think water is free, so you don't need to pay. Unfortunately, it's our elite, people who actually have the ability to pay, that will not pay. Okay, they believe that water should be free. Meanwhile, you need to invest to get water to the households. You need to pay people to drive the process. You need to pay pipes to be maintained. You need, if you are using power, you need to pay some power supply source. If it is generator, you need to buy diesel. It costs some resources to get water, safe water to premises, for instance. But when people do not pay, or when it is exorbitant and people cannot afford, 
then it becomes a problem. So ideally, there should be a tariff system. And that again should be done in a, in a consultative manner. You don't fix tariff arbitrary. So we work with governments to work with communities to agree on a tariff that is affordable and that is also sustainable over a long time. So we work in several states. We worked in the North Central, we worked in Plateau State, we worked in Benue State recently during the COVID period. So those were emergencies. We've done work in AKT State, we do work in Oyo State. At the moment, we have nothing in the FCT going on, but we are in the Bay States presently. Yobe, Bornu, because the insurgency itself has challenges with water supply. Exactly. And there we are concentrating in rural communities, we call it rural wash. We want to see how we can activate water supply systems in local communities and train the communities to own the project, they manage and sustain it on their own after the government has activated it for water to continue to flow. Government must invest, and this is strategy. If you look at your poll, for instance, a lot of things are private sector driven. Most of the water success businesses are private sector owned. So in the end, it is private sector that is giving people water. How long will people be able to afford it, especially when you start going, like what I said, to the marginalized communities? If you do your poll around there, I'm sure they would rather go to the stream than buy sachet water, because that is what is affordable to them, and that is not safe. If you look at the boreholes, it's either I come from a voluntary agency, which will not be able to maintain it in the long run, or groups like Rotary Community, who from time to time go back to Texas working, but Uduak Misum will no longer be president and move on to other things. Somebody has come. Thank God they have a culture in Rotary Club where they do this. But we cannot continue to believe up private citizens to do what state governments and governments should do with taxpayers' money. And of course, finally, if you must invest in the sector sustainably, you need funding. International partners will not fund where you don't have a plan. They don't want to know you. They want to know where you are putting the resources so that groups like Waterworld can track it. You don't just collect money for a project. They need to know where is it going to. In the budget line, is it a waterworks? Is it a water system? Are you training new professionals so that it can be tracked? If you don't have a plan and a sector strategy, both at federal and at state level, you cannot attract the funding you need. Meanwhile, domestically, we cannot mobilize the fund we need because it's a lot of capital-intensive projects. So we need to continue to work, and I'm glad that we need a multi-stakeholder effort. While we are advocating and building capacity and supporting, in the interim, as a short-term intervention, we can continue to have the boreholes in a very strategic way. Our belief is that every water project, whether it's a borehole, should fit within an overall plan so that when Rotaract wants to do a borehole or a project, it fits into a plan that government already has. So they are only complementing government efforts and not just giving water. They will give water, but it's in the context of an overall plan. So they are contributing to an overall plan. When they do that sustainable for a long time, you can have sustainability, you can have proper maintenance, and then you can have people have water consistently and sustainably in a long while. I will stop okay. for now. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. That was um, very insightful. Uh, at least now we understand, you know, a lot of things from the direction you're looking at. I, I would also want Hope Spring um, Water Charity Foundation to talk about what they also do. But before I push it to them, um, you know, you, you've also looked at um, how this, how COVID, you know, um, has played a role in the need for access to water, you know. So we'll look at... Um, an issue of a lack of, lack of access to water, especially in schools. There, there's the one for the homes. Yes, that's, that's on, on, on one side. Then we look at schools and public facilities that lack water. And um, 
the lack water and toilet facilities. And for those who even have toilet facilities, one thing for you to have a toilet facility, it's another thing for you to get access to water, to be able to keep it clean. And that's where public health and sanitation also comes in, which actually poses a threat. So I'll take this to uh, Rotarian Udwak. Um, you, part of what you do um, is also um, education advocacy educating people let's tell us about what you're doing or what you will be doing in jabi junior school um is it jabi junior school yes um tomorrow um what are what what are the interventions like and i'm particular about education how do you go about educating children because this also bothers on like we have said sanitation public health then the girl child also because without water there is a problem also with you know, sanitation and how also keeping clean. So let, let's look at it from that perspective. All right. Thank you very much once again. Um, <clears throat> what we're doing tomorrow in Jabi Junior School is uh, a wash project. Um, water, sanitation and hygiene. Uh, we went in for uh, a need assessments and we discovered that um, first and foremost, the school has a pipe bond water running in the school. But uh, when we went around for needs assessments, uh, we discovered that uh, there are a number of water points in the school that have been provided for students to drink water from, wash their hands, you know, use it. But unfortunately, 80% of these water points are down. Uh, some of them may not have uh, pipes, some of them pipes are broken, they may not have uh, controls and all that. And you know, you, you know, that's very typical. You have water running into school, but children cannot access it. So we picked that as a very important point to say, look, we're going to uh, renovate and make sure these all these water points are running for the kids to use. Then number two, we also know that this is a COVID period and we all have to be aware. So we, provide that as one of our services for tomorrow. We're going to provide over uh, 500 bottles of uh, sanitizers to the kids and some to their teachers. Uh, on top of that, we're going to have a cross-section of the students, as many as we have, to listen to uh, some health education on sanitation. And we're going to also provide some cleaning materials for the kids, you know, to wash, uh, to use in washing their bathrooms, in cleaning, there are water points, uh, you know, cleaning outside. So we're going to make sure we provide some, you know, uh, hygiene materials for these kids to use and educate them on how to use it. And also not only educating to sustain, uh, uh, Mr. Kola talked about sustainability. And we, we, we took that, uh, we, we take that very important in our projects. And the, the good thing is that we have an Interact presence in the school, the Interact uh, Club, it's a junior arm of Rotary between 14, uh, 12 to uh, 15 years old. So we organize them on leadership and uh, other aspects of humanitarianism. So we're going to use them as contact points to make sure whatever we donate are preserved, are used appropriately you know, for the benefit of everyone. And also the teachers, I went to see the headmaster yesterday. We had a chat on, on, on what we're going to do and how we hope that these things could be preserved and, and sustained. And uh, so, you know, th those are the things, that's just a specific project. We, and we do that in all the projects we, we, we have. We first go in for this assessments, 
and then make sure that the, 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 the stakeholders are being involved appropriately, educate them, and, 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 and to ensure that these projects are well received and are used over time. So uh, that's what we're going to do tomorrow in Jabi School. And uh, any of you that have time, you are invited to come around. Uh, it's going to be at 10.30 in the morning. By, in an hour's time, we'll be done. So that, that's precisely what we're going to what will happen tomorrow. All right, fantastic. Thank you very much. We're, we're really grateful for, for your interventions. And uh, I'm really always particular when, when these interventions, whatever they are, are being taken to schools because we need to start to talk to them at that level. Until we capture them at that level, we might not be able to get it right. So it's a great thing that um, Rotary Club is doing. We're going to try and make out time to be there tomorrow. Um, so, um, we have a few more people that have come in and let me just recognize them before I go to um, Hope Springs Water Charity Foundation. I, I know there is, um, there is, a, okay. Iboro Adam, thank you very much. Um, you've been with us since. This is Mutu Adeleye, thank you very much. Um, there are a few other names. Okay, someone actually said something on Okay, this is Tayo for Lion. I don't know if he's still with us here. Um, he said he's the CEO RVP Nigeria Limited Renewable Energy and Water Technology. I think that's a conversation we'll need to have at some point where technology comes into all of this because we're going to talk water tech, water. Um, we're going to talk water. We're also going to look at water technology and how it, you know, it affects us, you know, moving forward. I know there is a Rotarian Ogene Obodo. Ogene Ogodo Shukunedu or something from um, Rotary Club New Heavens Enugu, Executive Director, Town Criers Initiative Africa. There is um, Augustine Godwin also. We're going to take a few questions from them, but that would be after we hear from um, Hope Springs Water Charity Foundation. Um, Kim, I'd like to know what exactly um, Hope Springs is into and what kind of interventions um, you get into. Okay, uh, thank you very much for having me again. Um, now, for opening our core mandate is um, open and gate water poverty, and we do that in, in, in you know, try to form partnership with so um, so many um, stakeholders and organizations around the wash sectors. And so part of what we do, you know, not just water poverty, we do a lot in some um, the full packages um, wash activities. So everything that has to do with water activity, you know, what we do. Part of the project we've done in the past, uh, in the past um, uh, is something we call the Part Egel Initiative. Now, because we understand the fact that um, WASH is a, a whole package, and now we took that um, project, we took on that project, Part Egel Initiative, to take to, because uh, we, 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 we do a lot around campaign, research, and also advocacy too. So we, we, we run a research and some program like um, in some communities and like why are um, younger girls not going to school? And the issues in you know, some of the findings are okay, a lot of them have issues going to school, you know, when they have when they when they're not being able to manage their peers very well and all that. And that was one that we, we took on that um, part girl um, initiative to help them provide um, um, them with the entire 
knowledge and how to manage themselves when in that period and also support with um, part, um, some parts for them to manage their menstrual cycles. And also, we also have a project in, in, in Abuja that we call Watch to School. Watch to School project is also just like what um, um, the, um, the author are doing, you know, getting them young. Because we understand that um, the, work, the work sector needs, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. And the more we get um, the younger ones involved, the better it is for all that we own. Because it goes beyond just getting water and using water. Water management, how do you manage yourself? How do you do all the things that, you know, that some of those things we have in the World School project? And the idea for, for um, with that is for us to have um, a mini club in school where we have people at wash um, advocate, advocates. Now they take um, on that, that project and you know when they go out to their various community, they get to see preach the, the need for people to um, properly manage water you know, and manage you know, the water sectors um, generally. We also, we also um, had interventions where we dug bowls for some communities, both in Nigeria and in Abuja. Um, in Abuja, we, we did something in um, the fine, fine um, rural area along Kuji um, Road. Along in somewhere in Kuji, we also have some projects too in the San Inogo State. We have projects in Enugu, what support project where we look at the needs of the community. Okay, water is what you need. But um, like Gavin said, water for these communities, but how well do you manage the water facility or the facility that been provided for them? A lot of um, communities have a lot of um, dilapidated bowls and um, other water systems. So when we go into those communities, we look at the, the immediate needs of this community. We, 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 um, something we did in Ogun State sometime, um, the community had bowls, and it's a well-dug bowl, having deep down into, into its roots. But the fact that they were using a little hand pump, and it, it doesn't really get them water. So I had to try and um, get a um, partner that just help us, you know, um, you know, get some electrical equipment for us to now use the... Um, the uh, electrical, electrical pumping machine to bring down this water. So all our, um, our activities are centered around, you know, advocacy, um, support for um, rural communities, and also campaigns. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Um, a good job you guys are doing. Thank you very much for the intervention and all of that. Um, okay. So we will um, allow the rest of us to. I'm sure a few people have um, questions or contributions before we go to the last set of questions and wrap up for the day. So let's see who um, we have here. Um, okay, please just signify if you'd want to. Okay. Hello. Okay, aside our, our discussion, we'll need you all to talk so that we know who and who we have here. All the people sending us messages, can we have you talk? Okay. It seems like we are, we are here all by ourselves. Anyway, okay, I'd also like us to look at, because part of our poll shows that boiling water, um, a lot of people resort to boiling water. Um, as a way to, as a way to purify their water and get it uh, good for drinking. But then again, how, 
does that pass for you know I, I really don't know how to put it now when we say we boil water for drinking to what extent does it make the water clean enough or good enough for drinking i want um uh water aid ban will to respond to that for people who boil water um is, is does it make it clean enough for drinking because sometimes you're also looking at the how pure the water was prior to being boiled and when it boils to what extent does it make it good enough for drinking i'm, I'm really looking for a way to put this uh if you're still there i would like to speak to this well, uh, well, generally, uh, I'm not a scientist, uh, <laughs> but, but for most microorganisms, uh, disease-causing pathogens, um, boiling water for some minutes at over 100 degrees centigrade is sufficient to render them impotent and harmless. However, there are other pollutants in water, like chemicals that the boiling may actually make worse <laughs> because now you're increasing it to a temperature where it actually activates the chemical to become more toxic. But in terms of things like E. coli and some of the uh, pathogens that we know around, bacteria and so, uh, the understanding I have from my O-level biology is that at 100 degrees centigrade, if you boil it, not just that it gets to that point and you stop, but it actually boils at that temperature for, for a considerable period of time. It has a tendency to render impotent and inactive uh, most pathogens that uh, occur regularly in the water system that we have. So it's still the best, like uh, the Rotarian said, in terms of uh, borehole not being the best, but the best you can have for now. Um, boiling of water still remains the easiest, easily, most easily achievable for most people, but that only applies to general pathogens that die at that temperature or render impotent. It may necessarily not make the water safe for drinking if it contains other things, like I said, that boiling may actually make worse, which is why water quality testing is very important, even when we sink boreholes and when we do all of such things, so that the water quality is known, is tested, and I hope, I'm sure groups like Dr. will be doing that when you sink a borehole, you ensure that the initial water uptake is tested to make sure that the chemical levels are all, and they're actually it should be monitored over time so the testing is continuous so that you can raise the red flag when the need arises. There are depths where you dip at and water becomes ionized, for instance. The iron level is aggravated. So I'm sure they always do their geosurvey and they have their geologists. So at least uh, I interacted with people and I know that they, they don't joke with quality and standards. But in terms of domestic boiling, this is my response to it. Most pathogens are rendered inactive and impotent and harmless when you boil water at 100 degrees centigrade consistently for some time. Thank you. I hope somebody is on the call who is a better scientist than I that can corroborate or connect to that. <laughs> okay, can we have someone corroborate on this one? <laughs> okay. Um... Okay, let's take it a little, I mean, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Well, I'd like us to look at, um, look at um, the issue of open defecation. You know, if we still go back to not the NOI polls now, but um, the survey released by the Federal Ministry of Water Resources and UNICEF, they said 46 million Nigerians still practice open defecation. What is the health implication of this, you know, and um, how can this number be further 
reduced. I mean, it's alarming, 46 million Nigerians, I mean, out of how many? How do we deal with this moving forward? Um, I, I, still want, I, I still want Water Age to help us with this also. Okay, thank you very much. First of all, I, I think the, um, the data you have quoted is from the WASH norms, if I'm correct, WASH norms. Um, water resources, Federal Ministry of Water Resources and UNICEF. Yes, it is, it is, uh, it is, it is, it is what you call the WASH norms. Oh, it is okay. called the Water and Sanitation Hygiene and National Outcome Routine Mapping. It is okay. done annually. Okay, that's UNICEF, routine mapping. Yeah, that's routine mapping. And it is actually supported by the National Bureau for Statistics to ensure that the data and statistics has quality. So actually in water aid, that is what we rely on. The JMP, which is World Bank and all, sometimes uh, um, we, 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 we use the figures because sometimes they give us the global, but we, this is our own research. And we believe that just like the NOAA polls, we should begin to use our own independent, nationally conducted research. Well. Nigeria used to be the worst country all over the world in open defecation. Very, very shameful. Uh, but like I said, after the state of emergency was declared in 2018, uh, the government also issued uh, what we call Executive Order 009, issued by the president. And the essence is to give the matching orders to the Federal Ministry of Water Resources and all other stakeholders. And open defecation in Nigeria by uh, 2030, some states have decided to own the campaign and make it 2025. Uh, so what we have done, which what I is part of working with the ministry, federal ministry, is to watch, we launch what we call a clean Nigerian campaign, use the toilets. Clean Nigerian, use the toilet campaign. And that is why in our interventions now, we try to link water supply to hygiene and sanitation. The health implication is bad because Open defecation, when you have rainfall, you have unprotected wells, and you have surface water supply. When you have floods, for instance, especially in these days of climate change, there's going to be a contamination of surface and groundwater. And that way, for the about 73% of people who say they don't treat their water, they are actually just drinking poison because the water is contaminated. You don't need a scientist to prove that. And that has implications for health. We say that 60,000 children die in Nigeria annually as a result of waterborne diseases. These are some of the things that fuel it. Uh, even in our health centers, primary healthcare centers and hospitals will be shown. the kind of thing that we have in absence of decent toilets. So the essence of this campaign is to promote the use of what we call decent toilets. And it's not all toilets, again, that are decent, because some toilets are even worse. If you have a pit latrine, it's not safe for a girl child to use, for instance. It exposes her to more risk. So you need toilets where you have, it is safe. The contact with the fecal sludge or fecal waste is reduced to zero, and it can also be evacuated and transported in a safe manner without contaminating the environment. This is what we promote. So in communities, there are some communities now that have been declared open defecation free. And this is done at the local government level. So we take community by community and work with them. We used to have what we call the community-led total sanitation framework. Now we're talking about a rethinking sanitation uh, system where you get the community themselves to come together 
and say, this is not good for us. We need to stop it. And so as a community, they promote people to own toilets, to build toilets when they don't have, or to have public toilets that people can access so that you can stop them from defecating openly. They will no longer have an excuse. And then you will have people watching to ensure that people are named and shamed whenever they stray into the forest, thinking nobody is seen to go and do the thing, or to go and poop, or to go and shit. What are you say? Let's call it what it is. And in that process, endangering the entire community. So, but that can only be done when we sustain this campaign. There are three aspects of it. One is to make sure toilets are actually available. Don't tell people to use the toilet where there's no toilets. You will supply, even in the suburban parts of Abuja, landlord build houses without toilets. During the World Toilet Day last year, somebody called on a radio program I was, and he said, the houses without toilets are cheaper. The rent is lower. So that's what we can afford. And I asked myself in the first place, why should a landlord build a house without a toilet? But you see, those are the realities. Okay, And then if you go to the marginalized communities in the suburb, in the rural areas, then there are religious beliefs, some supernatural issues around that. Somebody called that day and said also that her grandmother came to visit them, spend holidays with her grandchildren, but she would not use the toilet. She had to request to be allowed to go back home after two days because they were forcing her to use the toilet. She was used to doing it outside, and she just cannot understand why it should be done inside. You know, that requires behavioral change over a period of time. So another aspect of the campaign is behavioral change for the sake of human dignity, and that's what we promote. You don't do open defecation for your own dignity. Some people have to go to places where they're endangered by snakes and scorpions and dangerous insects and reptiles just to get it done. Some girls can be attacked and raped because they have to go to a secluded place. So all of these are the kind of messaging we use for behavioral change, for communities to see a need to work together to stop it. And when we do that, uh, the last year we discovered that we'll be able to stop only 1 million from doing it between 2018 and 2019. We stopped 1 million, we prevented 1 million. And I told the Federal Ministry of Resources, this is not good enough. We need to move at a faster rate if we must stop open defecation. But these are the kind of things we are doing and the kind of education and hygiene talks that the Rotary Club will be giving to children in the schools, obviously is going to emphasize those kind of messaging so that children can go back home and also influence their parents where it is possible that this is not a good habit, both for health purposes, safety purposes, and indeed for human dignity. These are the kind of things we are doing and we're hoping that steadily and gradually we can end open education in Nigeria before 2030 and come out as a nation of people who are dignified, who are civilized, and who know what is right and do it. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, we're going to be wrapping it up in, in a few minutes. Uh, I'll just let, let each, um, all of the discussants just um, talk through on this very last um, issue. How do we strengthen the efforts of government? We know government is working. Maybe what they're doing isn't good enough or isn't enough as it were. How do we strengthen their efforts and uh, the effort of you know other partners in in planning, in monitoring, you know, towards the achievement of the results under the SDG Rule Six um, to ensure access to water and sanitation for all? So we'll start with um, Rotorian Udwak. Thank you very much, Nelly. Um, <clears throat> basically, what what we want. Um, general in a general sense is a, a proper legal framework a policy that is based on water sometimes you just budget without taking the needs into consideration and then you must have a political will 
to follow through these policies that you've done. And do also have a perfect and efficient organizational framework, organizational structures. Taking the NGOs into partnership, working with them, you know, getting um, inputs from around the stakeholders and come up with um, a proper framework for development. And of course, this has to be backed with uh, financial support. We do know that some aids are coming in from outside for, for some specific purpose. If that is galvanized and government is actually also uh, truthful about his own budgetary releases, this can be combined, work together for uh, effective uh, uh, delivery. And last, not the least, whatever we've done, there should be uh, uh, there should be constant review and monitoring of whatever policies, whatever developments that we are in to ensure that, you know, what we said to do, we do that. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you so very much. We're grateful for that. We'll take that. Now you talked about reviewing and, and, and all of that. Let's take that to Will Singer to me. Uh, on a final note, what, what do you think um, the government what do we think that we should do to strengthen the efforts of the government and the, the other partners? Okay, so for me, um, actually, government, um, every budget here, there are several, there are millions or billions of dollars, uh, Naira, that is set aside for WASH um, interventions in, in Nigeria as a whole. So, but first of all, as citizens, as development partners, private organizations, CSOs, um, we need to also work with the government themselves. We, we are not here to antagonize government. We're here to work with the government. But working with the government means um, government have to be transparent and accountable in their dealings too. So, um, but if they are not um, doing that, I mean, we have water, water, um, water white to um, ensure that funds are judiciously spent. We have um, water aid to move for policy and um, behavioral change. We have connected development to also track projects. We have FOM, NOI polls to bring out data to amplify um, cases of um, water and sanitation challenges. So we as development partners, CSOs, NGOs, should also contribute our quota to ensure that funds that are meant for development for WASH projects are judiciously spent and um, they reach their target population and communities in Nigeria. Thank you very much, Wilson. Thank you very much for that. Um, we'll take this to um, Ade Miyakin. Okay, I think um, firstly, is um, government should um, include a wider range of stakeholders. Secondly, it should draw um, on the knowledge and discipline of varieties of stakeholders. Providing portable water um, involves science, policies, and practice. All this must be considered in developing the proper management system for water in the country. Such a system needs more flexibility, adaptive, and responsible institutions. Federal, both the federal, state, and local government. Hello, do we still have him there? Ms. Akim, are you still there? Do we still have him with us? He's cut off, believe. Oh, I think he's cut off. All right, would, um, would allow Kola um, Walebanwo from Water Aid to wrap up for us? Well, I think um, uh, Uduak basically has said it all. 
government proper. We need to support and strengthen government's ability to govern the sector effectively. But in addition to the things he has mentioned, has to do with coordination. Coordination in terms of interagency coordination. As I speak to you, there's still some rivalry between the Federal Ministry of Environment and Federal Ministry of Water Resources as to who should be responsible for things like open education and sanitation. So you need this coming together so that we work together as a team. Coordination between the federal, state, and local government levels is also important. We need to develop the right capacities. We didn't have time to it, but we need to begin to adopt the right technology and innovation that can be able to process. And we need to invest consistently in the sector in a planned and organized manner. And finally, we need to consider this as a right issue, a rights-based approach where we see not as doing the people's favor. People commission boroughs, government officials, and they make it look like they're doing the people a favor. It's a favor from people like Rotaract because that's not their business. But it's government's duty to provide water, and so it's not a favor, it's the people's right. This kind of orientation and then build the capacity of the end users, the demand side, the citizens, to also be able to manage facilities when it comes to them. It's also important that we encourage them to own these projects, manage it so that it can last and sustainably give them uh, water over a long period of time. And more importantly, I think all stakeholders should work together. Non-state actors, civil society, government, we need to coordinate together and attract the right kind of funding and put them in the right places so that we can have people to have, in, 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 in uh, what I we say, water, clean water, decent toilets, and good sanitation for everyone, everywhere, at most by 2030. Thank you. Thank you so very much. And I want to say thank you to every single person that has been a part of this. I know I dragged you out of your very busy schedule. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, bottom line, we, we see that the three tiers of governments, the stakeholders, um, the international you know, support agencies should synergize you know, their plans and their strategies to ensure that all Nigerians have you know, access to clean and portable water moving Forward. I want to thank Rotorian Uduak Upe, Rotorian President, Rotary Club Abuja. Um, thank you so very much for being a part of this today. Thank you. Um, also, Kola Oleban Wohead, Advocacy Policy and Communication Water Aid Nigeria. Thank you so very much. We're grateful. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, Adeyemi Akim, Project Coordinator, Hope Springs Water Charity Foundation. Thank you so much. Okay, he's still cut off. Okay, also Will Singer, Tumei, founder and CEO of Waterwide. Thank you so very much. We're grateful that you could make it today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, and for every other person, um, some are logging in and off and saying, you know, the network and all of that. Jude, again, we can see you. He said he's been having issues with um, logging in, so he's been in and out of the meeting. And to every single person who was part of this, thank you so very much. This was um, organized by NOI Polls. Um, and um, this is in commemoration of the World Water Day. And the, the team for this um, year was valuing water. We hope that moving forward, we'll keep valuing water. And uh, we hope to see, we hope that the, the government and everyone involved would help us to access safe drinking water. And hopefully that would, um, that would give us, you know, a better society, a better environment to live in. So I am Nelly Ohuche, Head Corporate Communications NOI Polls. I want to thank my entire 
team, the entire corporate communications team of NY Pools, the entire staff and management of NY Pools. Thank you so very much. We want to say we hope that next time when we call you to be a part of our a part of this, we do this. You you'll be here. We do this every week. Um, once we have a poll out, we get stakeholders together. And uh, somebody said, can we have a group photograph? <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So we hope that the next time when we'll call you for this, we hope that you'll be here. Thank you so much. And we're grateful. You have a fantastic Thank day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. And you too. For, for those you. of you who... Bye -bye. Yeah, we'll we'll have the recording and the um, the PowerPoint presentations available. Anyone who needs it should please reach out to us. We'll most definitely send that across to you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You have a nice All day. Right, thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank thank you. We'll be at we'll be at Javi Junior School tomorrow. We'll, we'll try and make our time. To oh, be there too. that'll be fine. That'll be fine. <laughs> thank you so it's much. A pleasure. All right. All right. If you there will care. be a contact for me to reach out to, I will be in Abuja tomorrow, so I can join in the Javi School. Whatever. Okay. I think reach okay. out to me, and I'll reach out to you. Yeah. So that I'll give you his Please. number. Okay. Correct. Okay. I'll, I'll reach out to you on Twitter. Thank you very right. much. Fantastic, all, right. all of you. Have a nice day. Take care. And you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.